Hello, and welcome to the Breastfeeding Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ann Eglash. This podcast is co-sponsored by the Department of Family Medicine at the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health, as well as the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine. The Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine is an international organization of physicians dedicated to the promotion, protection, and support of breastfeeding and human lactation through education and research. Our goal for this podcast series is to help you manage clinical aspects of breastfeeding medicine. We also hope to keep you updated with current research that may impact practice management. Any advice or recommendations in this podcast do not reflect official policies or views of the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine. I have with me today Dr. Ruth Lawrence. Dr. Lawrence is a professor of pediatrics and OBGYN with the University of Rochester School of Medicine. She's also the author of Breastfeeding, A Guide for the Medical Profession, which is now in its seventh edition. Welcome, Dr. Lawrence. Thanks for joining me today. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So we're talking today about environmental chemicals and breast milk, and there's been a great deal of media attention paid to the fact that many of these environmental contaminants are in breast milk. And this is quite alarming to many families. And oftentimes, I think as health professionals, we receive questions about whether or not it's actually safe to be breastfeeding. And can you address this, um, how you would recommend counseling families on this issue? Well, I think it's a good idea to go back to how this happened. Why Why is milk, breast milk being monitored? And um, a, a great meeting was held in Hershey, Pennsylvania, uh, back in 2005, uh, to look at this issue. And over my objections, they decided to use breast milk as a community barometer of environmental contaminants. And the reason is that it's so easy in the laboratory to work with breast milk and so easy to get it as opposed to drawing somebody's blood or having a 24-hour urine sample or something like this. And we said, oh, you can't do that because everybody will get worried and concerned about breast milk. They said, no, no, no. It's good. It's good science. The EPA wanted it that way. And that's why you and I are talking about that today. Not because it's a medical issue, but because it it happened the way it did. Although it seems that many countries are using biomonitoring of breast milk, and my understanding is from the World Health Organization, they actually state in their recommendations for biomonitoring of breast milk to make sure that there's appropriate counseling on what this means, um, in, in ter- basically that we can't take the results of uh, the toxins in breast milk and apply it to individuals because we don't really have the knowledge of really how this contamination affects babies and also how it really compares to the chemicals in the environment that children and fetuses are exposed to anyway. Well, that was the compromise, was that they had to provide education if they did this. Uh, So uh, to go back to what it it really means, it depends on what chemical they're talking about. Take lead, for instance. If they report that there's lead uh, in the milk, 
it's not because the environment is contaminated. It's because during lactation, if a mother has a lead burden in her bones, which is where lead is stored in exposed people, uh, lactation tends to draw it out. So you get a, uh, a lead level that has nothing to do with the environmental level at all. So it's specific to the compound mm-hmm. is the point of using that. Uh, example. So you're suggesting that sometimes these levels indicate a woman's own personal history rather than what's going on in the community at that time. Right. For lead it does. Now, I I don't know if you remember the Michigan Peninsula crisis some years ago. It was really the first time that uh, uh, contamination became public and they had given uh, all the herds of cows on the Michigan Peninsula, uh, grain to eat that was contaminated with uh, uh, DDT and stuff like that. I don't remember that, no. Oh, you're too young. (laughs) 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 But anyway, what happened was, of course, they were testing everybody, and uh, they tested women uh, who were breastfeeding, and... uh, very, very few women had even tested positive, but the one or two women who did test positive as far as their milk was concerned were told about it, and uh, they did not cho- choose to stop breastfeeding anyway because they felt very strongly that the benefits of human milk exceeded any theoretic uh, risk of a small amount of contaminant in their milk. Uh, so uh, we learned we learned some things from the Michigan uh, Peninsula, uh, but none and none of the babies, as far as we know, had any negative effects uh, from this. And what happened to the cows and the calves is quite another issue because, of course, their dose was hundreds of times greater. Right. So if you have a family that comes to you and says, gosh, I'm very concerned about all the reports that I've heard regarding PCBs, dioxins, et cetera, in my breast milk, Dr. Lawrence, should I breastfeed my baby? What? How would you counsel that family? Well, I would take a personal history on this mother. I mean, if she had worked in a... Um, a dry cleaning company, or had been working on a farm as a, a, a you know lowest paid helper, uh, spraying insecticides, uh, or something like that, then I would think that it might be wise to get her measured. And of course, most states will accept specimens and and measure them for members of their population. Uh, so I would I would uh, counsel on the basis of risk for a specific individual. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a study here, of course, Rochester's on uh, Lake Ontario, one of the Great Lakes, which was contaminated some years ago, and uh, the state of New York asked us here to collect uh, cord bloods, bloods on the mother and cord bloods on the baby and so forth for contamination, and we did not find a single mother in the whole region who had uh, high levels of contamination unless she fished in Lake Ontario against the law 
and ate that fish uh, three or four times a, w- a week. So there again, it's specific people who are uh, at risk and uh, not uh, the population in general. And I would counsel on an individual basis for that reason. Mm-hmm. And so, but overall, I guess when when women read these articles and wonder about uh, the fact that, oh, they may just be of average risk, for example, um, mm-hmm. what how would it help us as lactation professionals? Um, what, what, what words of wisdom can we give to families regarding that? Well, I, I think there again, you need to, uh, if you think the mother's at risk, I would, I would get actual levels um, uh, and uh, specifically look at and see whether she really had any measurable levels that would put the baby at risk and only counsel against breastfeeding um, in case of very high levels. And, uh, you know, in other countries of the world, uh, uh, underdeveloped countries, you know, they're, they're fairly contaminated. But the value of breastfeeding for babies in underdeveloped countries is so great that a little theoretic contamination via via the breast milk is uh, minimal. And when you think of the water supply, let's say you decide, well, you're not going to breastfeed, but you're going to bottle feed, and you're going to use local water, it may be that the water is more contaminated than the breast milk. So you need to know your water supply. You need to know what are the alternatives, because there's a good deal of information to suggest that... uh, some bottle-fed babies are at much greater risk. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I, I think that we've already done all the experiments because our society, well, our Earth is contaminated with different right. cultures having different amounts of contamination depending on the environment, yet mm-hmm. yet all studies seem to indicate that breastfed babies are healthier than formula-fed babies. And so it seems like we've already done the research unless right. a woman has the actual high risk exposure like in an accident or something um she's she's probably better off nursing when you say because babies have been proven to be healthier if breastfed well and i agree with you and the publications uh, two issues of uh, the in journal of environmental toxicology after this conference confirmed that the bottom line that people agreed with was it was better to breastfeed Mm-hmm. After having gone through all of this business about well, let's use breast milk as a uh, barometer for a community and that kind of thing, I I don't think there's any doubt about that. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that there's a, that the highest risk um, with environmental contaminants is actually during that very early pregnancy stage when the fetus is developing all of its organs. Uh, right. the toxins are going to have the greatest effect. Well, I I know, and and much of that research has been done right here in Rochester. The first studies were done by a gal in the department of OB, uh, who is a PhD investigator uh, looking at uh, rats and mice, uh, found that the genitalia of male offspring uh, were altered minimally. They took measurements of the distance between the base of the scrotum and the penis, uh, 
and those uh, animals that had been given a high dose of uh, DDT and things like that uh, had a shorter space. Whether it had any effect on the rest of their lives, nobody knows. That was the initial work on what does pregnancy, what does contamination do during pregnancy. Uh, we have another investigator here who's just gotten here. Her name happens to be Paige Lawrence. She too is a PhD, and she's the one who's done the animal experiments uh, to show that uh, exposure from uh, contaminants. Um, have an effect on the offspring of mice and rats in terms of breast development. And that's where that came from. I know of no studies that have been associated with the human. Although, you know, you could do it uh, as an epidemiologic study and how many people, uh, say, in the Michigan Peninsula had offspring whose breasts were less well-developed or something. But uh, uh, those are early studies, but it makes the headlines. Right. It's a good story. It gets attention. It sells papers. Right. And and I know these investigators. I know their basic work. I've heard them talk, and that's the level it's, it's at. Of course we're concerned, and of course we want to be aware of that, and, and we do want to minimize the environmental contaminant in our in our environment but uh, people can take personal measures in in terms of um, what they expose themselves to what they buy in the marketplace and spray all over their homes and uh, that kind of thing right so reducing one's individual risk by um reducing pesticides and on their lawn and eating organic food, for example. Right. 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 Yep. Um, so um, do you know of any studies that would indicate that the contaminants in breast milk actually cause harm to the nursing child? Uh, there's no, uh, no data that suggests that. Of course, most of the time when they do animal experiments, they expose the... Uh, the animal to a hundred times what might be a human dose, so it's a little hard to tell uh, what what the exact relationship is. Uh, although uh, I believe some of the work's been done in sheep, and with high doses of uh, environmental toxins, they do see some abnormalities in the in the offspring, but. You have to be careful extrapolating that, although that's where we start. We always start in the animal lab, but the placenta of different species is is very different. And uh, the placenta of the human is a much greater barrier to what gets to the fetus than is the placenta of a mouse, a rat, or a ruminant, a cow, or a goat, who uh, not only has a different placenta, but they have uh, a different milk system. And, you know, they have an odor, they collect milk all day and let it slosh around and all that sort of thing. So biologically speaking, it, it does make a difference how many membranes are in the placenta whether or not something crosses oh, the fetus. Oh, that's interesting. But if we look at epidemiologic studies, 
um, at least in talking about childhood cancer, it doesn't look like we see any higher rates of childhood cancer among breastfed babies. No, and as a matter of fact, the rates of cancer uh, in breastfed babies is lower in breastfed babies than it is in bottle-fed babies. Margaret Davis did that initial work on the perinatal study. There were 10,000 kids that were followed from uh, uh, conception through to 10 years of age, and she looked at uh, how many of those 10-year-olds had gotten cancer uh, based on their feeding breast or bottle and showed that breastfed babies had less incidence. And there have been follow-up studies uh, in in Europe uh, confirming that, that uh, if, uh, if, a breast, if a baby is breastfed for at least four months, that the incidence of childhood cancers, particularly leukemia and lymphoma, uh, are reduced. So there's some good data to support that concept. And I think, again, we can safely say that that's in our current environmental chemical milieu with everyone having some degree of environmental toxins in their breast milk. Oh, yes. Well, and then, of course, when you think of where you live, if you live in New York City, you know, the air is polluted, or you live in some big city, London, San Francisco, something like that, the air is much more polluted than and the wonderful uh, hills of Wisconsin right. or upstate New York. <laughs> right, absolutely. <laughs> so it sounds like the bottom line in our conversation today is that women should continue to breastfeed and that uh, despite the fact that we we know that all women have environmental toxins in their breast milk, breastfed babies are healthier and formula-fed babies are certainly at risk health-wise. Right, and the alternate, alternative carries many more risks. Right. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast today. It's been very interesting. Well, thank you, Anne. It's always good to talk to Wisconsin. Oh, absolutely. If you have any interest in the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine or any questions or comments about this podcast, please email us at abm at b as in boy, f as in frank, med.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in a few weeks.